This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. Another foggy one here in the Capital City area. What's new, says anyone outside of the general region and those inside the area as well. Well, uh, some of that uh, nasty weather that we've been experiencing over the last little while finally starting to move out of the island area, now now affecting uh, residents of Labrador. So if you don't have to head out, if it's nasty in your area, stay put uh, and stay safe. The FFAW has a new New president. Greg Pretty takes over where former President Keith Sullivan left off. Sullivan, as you recall, announced his intention to step down after eight years at the helm late last year. The fishery remains one of the most lucrative industries in the province, drawing in billions of dollars in revenue, not to mention all the economic spin-offs. Well, our guest today is the newly elected president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty. Hello! Hi, Linda. Thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. No problem. Congratulations. Well, thanks very much. It's uh, it's a, it's incredible to to be the leader and be an elected leader of uh, over fourteen thousand working men and women in this province. A very historical union, as you know, and a, one that made a, an incredible difference uh, to this province. And we continue to do the same. Thanks. Has to be a bit humbling, but uh, daunting at the same time. That's right. I never got the easy ones, as, as you probably know. But uh, it is humbling. At, uh, when Keith announced his uh, resignation, uh, we were in an executive board meeting. And before we got out of that executive board meeting, the executive board made up of uh, industrial and insure sector uh, leadership uh, endorsed me for the position. And, yes, you're quite right, uh, quite humbling and uh and I'm I'm so happy to to step up and and offer myself for for president. So, for those of, of our listeners who might not know, who is Greg Pretty? How did you get involved in the union and and the fishery, for that matter? Well, thanks for that, uh, Linda. Uh, it goes back quite a ways. I uh, I was at Mon actually, and I took a summer job uh, with the union. Uh, in fact, they had me. Uh, direct over the side sales in Labrador. So that was my first uh, venture with the union. It was an incredible uh, experience. I bought uh, cod and turbot from uh, basic, predominantly uh, northern peninsula fishers. And uh, that's when, at a time when the companies wouldn't buy from, uh, from uh, harvesters. You know, a lot like uh, happened last year. But uh, that was my uh, initial uh, foray into the, uh, with the union. Uh, we put uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, harvesters' pockets. We whipped the uh, merchants into shape. We took that roadshow to the island, and we bought pelagics. I came back the second year, did the same thing again. Uh, we took, we bought cod and turbot, um, oh, cod in particular uh, on the southwest coast, but we bought pelagics uh, from from uh, uh, Conception Bay right to uh, Notre Dame Bay. So. That was my uh, entry into the fishery. Uh, I came back full time in '83 and uh, serviced the inshore. So that I really liked what I did. Uh, we we certainly made a difference, uh, and we put we pumped money into the province when when harvesters when companies like FBI weren't interested in buying. So it was a great time to to get on board with the union, 
and I've managed a career that's done basically the same thing, which is uh, negotiate and uh, advocate on behalf of uh, harvesters and working men and women in this province. So from the ground up, it sounds like. From the ground up, yes. Yeah, from the ground up. And uh, an incredible job. I, I know people in, in almost every uh, every community in this province. And uh, it's an incredible experience. And, again, getting the, getting the endorsement from the executive board was uh, incredible. It was an incredible feeling. And I've offered myself, uh, yeah, we got challenges coming up, no question about it. But uh, this team that uh, I lead, and uh, which includes our staff and our elected membership throughout the province, we're equal to the task. So normally anyone who has four decades under their belt is thinking about winding down, but you're ramping up. Yeah, I am. Uh, no question about it. Like uh, when, when they endorsed me at the, uh, at the executive board meeting, I, mean, I, I could not say no. I, I couldn't do it. I, I've been here a long time. I know this organization made an incredible difference to every single community in this province. I know one thing I can look back on in those 40 years, there was uh, there's not the outports are not what you see today. Uh, the, these communities are not what you see. There was a lot of poverty in this province. And when I started, some of these fish merchants wouldn't buy from legitimate fish harvesters. They preferred to buy from moonlighters. You know why, don't you? Right? They didn't want they didn't want to spend the money. They didn't want to pay a negotiated price. So they better get their product cheaper. So, in many respects, you know, uh, those are probably sim- uh, the same issues we're, we're facing today. But we made quite a difference to this province as as Cash informed this union back in the early seventies. Uh, as he says, it was like a match to a blasty bow. People bought into it because they were being mistreated by by these uh, fish merchants. So that mistreatment turned into a union of uh, of harvesters, both offshore and, and inshore. And it made an incredible difference to people's lives and uh, people's uh, communities. So, uh, yeah, we still work to do, and uh, I'm equal to the task. You mentioned mood lighters, and I think, you know, anybody who doesn't have a, a history in the fishery might not realize that up until relatively recently, uh, and due to the work of the FFAW in large part, um, anyone could fish. Anyone. Uh, there were teachers fishing and, you know, dentists fishing, and everybody was fishing and uh, selling fish. Um, and um, the FFAW worked very hard in professionalizing the, um, uh, the profession. No question about it. Uh, and by the way, those dentists and doctors are still fishing. There's no <laughs> that hasn't stopped. But what stopped is what what has stopped is is the, the professionalization as you as you indicated. And we have uh, agreements in in the harvesting industry in all well, most species. And there is a, a regiment. There's a there's an order and a structure to sailing fish. When I started, uh, they didn't. These fish merchants didn't have to buy. From from fish harvesters, they didn't have. There was no there was no regulation. There was no uh, con- contract. In fact, even when the contracts came in, Linda, it took them years and years. Well, you know, maybe maybe uh, five to ten years before they got used to wearing the saddle, of actually having to buy and pay the prices that were negotiated. So that was a big that was a big step when people started to get real money for their catches. 
because up up until uh, you know the seventies, I mean, we we're looking at a cent and a quarter. You know, fish fish prices were measured in quarter cents. Can you imagine that? Like two and a half, three cents, and uh, all of the wealth, all of the wealth went to the merchants, and very little uh, went out uh, went out to the communities. Now the union changed all of that, of course, because one of the purposes of a union is is the collective bargain. But collective bargaining, in essence, uh, distributes the wealth around. The wealth that you see today in communities uh, didn't come because out of the generosity of a fish merchant's heart. It's because they were held to a contract. There were strikes in this province on ground fish and pelagics to make sure that we have we, we had respect at the table, but in, and also we had... Uh, uh, negotiated prices for our, our catch. And that distribution uh, you can still see today. But I can tell you that uh, the forces that were out there 40, 50 years ago are still there. They're more sophisticated now. They have more money, those merchants, and they have more organization. But but the ultimate goal uh, for them is, is what we see from year to year, is that they want more, and they want to increase you know they're not fond of unions uh but they have to put up with them and you know they they also have there are organizations of course that are also not fond of unions not fond of that uh are no fan of uh this collective uh act of uh of distribution of wealth and uh so you know the battle continues in many forms whether it be at the table with uh with these fishing companies or or splinter groups that you'll see that we deal with frequently that uh, obviously would like to, you know, to have us uh, put to one side. Uh, so, so it's a constant, it's a constant struggle of pressure uh, back and forth, but uh, we've been extremely successful and we intend to, to keep on uh, being successful. You were endorsed by the executive, but your pre- presidency hasn't come without a certain level of controversy. I want to uh, touch on that a little bit when we come back after the break. Our guest today on On Target is the new president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty. We'll be back right after this. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Our guest today is the newly elected president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty. And Greg, um, we've seen the news stories. The election didn't come without some controversy. One hopeful had his candidacy rejected, and now Jason Sullivan is vowing to fight that in court. What happened there? Well, um, predictable in many in many uh, cases. Uh, you know, that's uh, I spoke earlier about Splinter Groups. Uh, this is an organization that actually tried to raid us, uh, tried to destroy us. Uh, has spent uh, incredibly, uh, best I can tell, uh, seven years uh, with him, uh, more with Cleary, uh, trying to disrupt this to to to, uh, to end uh, what we do. Uh, so that's. I, I expected something from them. Uh, I know. I, I know their their pattern of behavior. Uh, I knew it going into this that I would face that. Uh, I was not going to be left unscathed. Uh, this, this organization, their organization, has uh, taken us on, uh, uh, insulted, uh, libeled our leadership. Uh, they have court orders against them. So you know, if it wasn't that, to be something else. Uh, so what happened there is that. Uh, First of all, let me tell you that the uh, the um, the actual process 
is a child of, of our convention. So the Constitution dictates um, uh, elections. So the last time we had we had uh, additions to that was in 2018. So all that structure was put in place uh, in 2018, plus the committee itself, the election committee. So uh, in any uh, election, that committee has, has a duty to hold the election properly. Uh, three people ran. Uh, they did their due diligence on whether or not they were members or, or, were, or could run uh, legally. Or did they foul, for example, the candidate evidence statement they gave to us? And in this particular case, um, one of them was found to to be at odds with the uh, with the rules. It left us with two individuals, uh, myself and uh, and Mr. So- uh, Mr. Callahan. So that's what's happened. I mean, it's a court challenge there now, and you know, if it wasn't, that'd be something else. Uh, you know, obviously they, uh, as I said to Patty Daly prior to Christmas, you know, uh, before all this uh, came to light. That uh, it's a fundraising exercise for that crowd, and you know, and people, I, I, I would think some people are sending them in money, and uh, they kind of like that, so they see it as an opportunity to keep their fundraising uh, going. So that's uh, in uh, in essence, that's what uh, that's what we're dealing uh, with now. But I will tell you, I will tell you this: that's uh, once again, you know, uh, we have a, we got a tough year coming up. I want to talk about that. And I never want to get sidetracked by by these individuals who whose plan is to take us off that uh, track, to to have division inside uh, our locals, our uh, our fleets. That's the job, and uh, you know. So uh, my uh, job is to make sure we get our work done. I'm hunting big game, and I'm not getting sidetracked for rabbits. Uh, but does it speak to a certain level of dissatisfaction within the union? I know that there was uh, some, um, I suppose, controversy over the years. Uh, do you feel like that's been addressed? Well, you know, if you listen to them, it's been nothing but dissatisfaction. I mean, they, we've never had a leader that's, uh, <laughs> that's any good if you listen to them. Right? They've, they have a problem with everything. But, but let me put it in perspective for you. We have about uh, 14,000 plus, 14,500 members in the province. The election uh, starts, uh, nominations are over two weeks. So we get uh, the endorsement from the board, me, and you get uh, a clearyman uh, running and uh, a fellow from uh, uh, Mr. Callahan. So out of 14,000 people, does that speak like a lot of dissent to you? Doesn't to me. Pretty... uh, I can take from that that the, um, our endorsement by uh, the executive board was a pretty solid endorsement. And I've talked to people all throughout this province. And, yeah, they're going to have that other crowd, you know, the ones I don't want to spend a lot of time on. Um, that other crowd, they, they have their agenda. And it's not constructive, orderly fisheries that spit out a, a division of wealth in this, in this uh, province. That's not it at all. It's based on disharmony. It's based on derision, and it's based on disrupting uh, fisheries. So, so that's it. I mean, that's all I want to say about it. Uh, it's it'll be before the courts if it's not already. But you know, we let the lawyers uh, take it out and and uh, and deal with it. You mentioned there's a you've got a tough year uh, coming up. What does the current industry look like, and what do you expect? <laughs> 
Uh, great question. It's um it's we got to work with Alfred, that's for sure. But you know something, I have uh, our our uh, our um, crew has met uh, so far. We've met with the uh, the new deputy minister of fisheries uh, in Ottawa, actually in Newfoundland, uh, and uh, we've met with uh, two ministers. We've met uh, with DFO and ASP. So we got uh, we got a couple of priorities, of course. Uh, we're going to make sure that final offer selection is uh, in shape and ready to go for this year. Uh, we have uh, federally, we have uh, the northern cod issue, which is, you know, we believe uh, needs an increase. Not everybody has crab, and uh, people are depending on, on cod. And I'll say this, uh, people are depending on, on the whole province is depending on keeping those propellers turning on those fishing boats. And that's, that's important because it provides work and it provides wealth. So we're looking at that with the ceiling issue. Uh, as uh, you know, uh, we need to do something uh, on seals. I, we're going to be talking. We've talked to the minister about that. There, there were summits, as you probably know, this fall. But there needs to be a continuation on seals. The mackerel situation, Linda, is uh, is terrible. I mean, uh, the minister stopped uh, the fishery last year. Uh, this, we have uh, photographic evidence, video, video evidence. Absolutely incredible. Uh, our harvesters, Trevor Jones in particular, has, uh, you know, saying that's the most they've seen in a long time. And, and part of my entry to the fishery back a long time ago was just mackerel and pelagics. So I have a, a pretty good sense of, uh, of what that's about. And uh, But we really need a fishery. There's no question about that. There's not a whole lot of science here. We need uh, constructive fisheries and we need to detail what's going on. It, they're certainly uh, our fishers are our harvesters are certainly uh, at odds with uh, what's coming out of DFO, but you need to start spending money on that. So are, are you are, hopeful though that the mackerel fishery could be reopened? Yes, we are hopeful because, because there's a stock here, and one of the things I, I I like to say is that you know in this province when when you're talking about managing fisheries, and I've noticed it over the years that we are resource rich. And job poor. And so people have, whether it be the province, whether it be the feds, whether it be uh, the elected politicians, the uh, the feds in particular, uh, we need to, to get together around these issues. And I'm willing to do that, to sit down and say, you know, we have, you made a mistake. No harm. You made a mistake. But let's, let's, let's get people, let's get the props turned on the boats again. Let's get that product to shore. You know, we are not wrong. Our harvesters are not wrong when they see that that resource spread from all over the northeast coast and uh, and can't fish it, illegal, uh, illegally even land it. doesn't make a grain of sense, but so we need a more sensible approach. And we've already started that process with the feds, and I'm hopeful we can get there, particularly on mackerel. But we also need it on cod. Because the, um, the before you go too far with the northern cod, I want to talk to you. I'll break that down a little bit more because uh, we're up to another break now, and I, I, sure. I'd like to flesh it out a little bit, so to speak. Um, our guest today on On Target is the uh, new president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty. We'll be back right after this. Our guest today on On Target is president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty, and um, you're, you mentioned the northern cod uh, fishery and um, your efforts to increase the uh, quota there. What's what's the status of the the northern cod right now well it's um first of all there's, there's three fisheries in the province three cod fisheries 
that's Northern Cod, the one that you just referenced. There's also, which is currently, by the way, a, a stewardship uh, fishery. Uh, still, you know, being looked after. There's not, it's, uh, there is a quota there, but uh, it can certainly stand an increase. There's a southwest coast of 3PS fishery, which you may be familiar with. And there's the northern uh, Gulf cod fishery in, uh, in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Our position up to this point uh, is that um, these fisheries need increases. We need, and once again, we need to, to check out what's going on there. Uh, but there, there's a sizable rebound, particularly in the northern Gulf, that we believe uh, requires an uh, increase. Uh, puts more money in the harvesters and uh, more work on land, and uh, similarly on the uh, on the northern cod issue. Um, it's you know it's a pretty much a caretaker fishery uh, up to now. Uh, there's a recreational aspect to it, but uh, we really need to uh, to get uh, more cod. We don't uh, you know, and and I'm suggesting we be cautious moving forward, but we can certainly stand uh, uh, to have a bump in that quota and. Uh, once again, it will. Uh, not everybody has crab, and uh, it's important to fishers uh, and harvesters right across the province that uh, we, you know, look after this uh, stock carefully, but at the same time uh, increase uh, the uh, quotas to harvesters. Even in 3PS, where stocks are uh, reportedly well into the critical zone, and recruitment has been a real issue. No. It, recruitment is an issue in 3PS. There's no question about that. So we're, there are meetings uh, as we speak this week. There are meetings uh, on that particular issue, and we've involved uh, harvesters from the area to give us their input, and they are giving us their input as to how uh, that should proceed. But uh, you know, once again, uh, caution. But uh, uh, fishers would like to see uh, little uh, bumps in uh, in quotas. Uh, is that made more difficult by a uh, lack of a fall survey this year and, and last year as well? Uh, in mackerel, you mean? or Oh, in uh, uh, in the fisheries uh, as a whole. It's, well, I, I, let me let me respond by saying, and ju- just overall, one of the issues, uh, by the way, I'm meeting the minister. I'm having an introduction meeting with the federal minister of fisheries uh, on Thursday. And that's one. That's one of the issues that actually uh, we want to address. And that's the uh, we need to get back like we used to collectively. We need to get back, and we need to spend more money uh, on science, on surveys. We need more accurate, more accuracy, uh, whether it be sentinel fisheries, uh, sur- uh, federal surveys. But we need to do more of that because, you know, I think. Part of the problem that we were experiencing right now is that those lack that lack of attention, that lack of uh, getting on the water and, and uh, doing these things uh, has hurt us and has you know artificially or prematurely uh, closed fisheries. So that's on the agenda. I've had some very good uh, conversations with the uh, the minister staff. Uh, uh, they certainly understand uh, the issues that we we put forth and. Uh, I'm hoping, uh, in fact, I'm quite hopeful that we can make some progress in in many of these areas. Uh, will redfish come up? Because among the bright lights, I understand, is the apparent resurgence in redfish. What's happening there? Yeah, and that's uh, I have it on my list for you. And thanks for thanks for bringing it up. Uh, it's uh, an incredible stock. I mean, the the redfish has has. It's an incredible resource out there now. Uh, I've talked to young harvesters in uh, 
in the Gulf. I've talked to older harvesters in the Gulf. Um, the shrimp fleet uh, is being, well, part of the issue right now is the shrimp fleet's been hampered because uh, redfish are chewing up uh, a shrimp. The biomass is that huge. So, but our uh, position with the feds is, you know, we're in a great position now. Uh, imagine having having that resource to be able to trans uh, to, to uh, transfer from one resource uh, shrimp into into reds, and that's something uh, we we will talk to the minister about. And we also have plans for uh, an orderly transition from shrimp to, to reds. It has to be done. There's lots there for everybody. Although some of the corporate interests would say, you know, that should be left to us in our offshore uh, and, uh, you know, have a couple of companies land the works of it, like the old times. But uh, I'm confident uh, that's one of the issues that uh, Ottawa is, uh, has talked to us about, we've talked to them about, and uh, we're in a good shape on, on, the, on the redfish resource. And if used proper, utilized properly, it can make a very orderly trans transition from uh, from shrimp to uh, to reds now the other thing about that is that uh, the uh, the processing on land for reds uh, has a great potential for the province it would be a great uh, a sizable industry if in fact it's uh, if it's done properly and of course you know we can't take chunks of that redfish resource now and just you know put it on a vessel and just send it somewhere uh, that's not. Uh, there's enough there for for all players here, and uh, it has the potential to be a very uh, sizable uh, resource, and it'll mean a lot to uh, to the fishing industry. What's contributing to that resurgence? I know for years the the fish were tiny. Oh my gosh, they were so tiny. Are, are they getting bigger now? And what's what's causing them to rebound? Well, uh, can't get any great detail on that, uh, but you are right. Uh, a number of a few short years ago, uh, samples coming out of there were were uh, relatively small, but um, they all I can tell you is that they have a voracious appetite and uh, they're getting bigger. The, the biomass estimates are incredible, and it looks like if managed properly, we could have a long-term fishery, which would be very beneficial uh, to both harvesters. I know your predecessor liked to talk about uh, the halibut uh, and the potential there. How's that working out? Well, uh, very briefly on halibut, uh, we've had, uh, it's a very lucrative species, as you know. The the money uh, going back to harvesters is uh, very good, can get better. Uh, uh, Looking after the resource and making sure that uh, uh, we have um, projected longer fisheries. It's an incredible resource and we just, there seems to be um, a fair amount there. And once again, it's a question of management. And for the long haul, so we'll be—I'll be diving into that at uh, at some point when I when I visit, particularly the uh, the uh, southwest coast and the northern peninsula. And northern shrimp—you uh, mentioned that the shrimp fishery is being hampered to a degree by the these voracious uh, redfish. Um, how is our northern shrimp fishery? How's it doing in terms of uh, you know some of the changes that are taking place out there in the ocean? Not doing and not doing well at all. I mean, we've seen uh, constant. We've seen a number of uh, uh, reductions in quota, which 
has uh, ex- uh, hampered, uh, impaired the uh, incomes of these uh, these fishers. Now, some of these fishers I've known for a long time. Uh, they're the backbone of uh, the fishery uh, in the Gulf. Uh, they're you know they're now falling on hard times because of that resource, and uh, I'm very happy that. Uh, we have a, a resource that's waiting uh, and readily available uh, to, to take that place of that shrimp. So, so hopefully we'll see a, a transition from, from A to B here. You mentioned um, uh, processing, especially when it comes to redfish and the, the opportunities here. And I want to talk to you a little bit more, more about uh, processing and uh, those all-important uh, fish price-setting uh, negotiations uh, when we come back after the break. Our guest sure. today on okay. On Target is the president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Our guest today is president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty. And uh, Greg, uh, we've talked at length about this in the past, but uh, are you hoping for a smoother fish price setting process this year? Because last year was pretty tumultuous. Well, there's one thing we all agree on, everybody, processors, uh, harvesters, plant workers, we don't need a repeat of 2022. So we are working, uh, we hit the ground running on that issue, and we are working to ensure, to the best of our ability, that we have uh, we have changes going into this year. And, of course, a lot of that deals with the uh, with the final offer selection and, and how we uh, achieve... Uh, prices through that system so we'll be over the next little while uh we've talked to the province about this we've talked to ask uh, about to ask about this and you know uh, new leadership here new leadership at asp uh interest of the province to, to ensure things are different uh i'm hopeful we can get there but it's going to take a lot of work uh, we're already on it and uh, we'll be meeting our our inshore uh council in the next couple of weeks um, with some uh, plans for the uh, for the future of this fishery. Now, having said that, you know, um, uh, in, in wishing that uh, no repeats of 22, uh, we do have a, I have a strong mandate from our inshore council already that, uh, you know, they're not going to put up with uh, a number of processors who have the uh, ability to, act uh, improperly as we move through this thing. So there'll be a different focus on, on uh, for example, posting prices. I think you'll, you'll, they will get a very strong reaction from our from our leadership because that's exactly what they want. Uh, we can't put up with that anymore. And I will say this to you, Linda, you know, it's a, what a great privilege right, to have a processing license from the province, right? You have a license, you can process crab, the most lucrative, uh, perhaps, uh, one would argue, or any species, but you have a license from the province, and you, and and this is not for all all companies, but there are some, there are some in this in this uh, uh, fishery in this province that think they can do what they want with it, and uh, we're saying to the province, you know, you know, to who much is given, much is expected. So if you're given a license to process by the province, you can't wave it around and break regulations or break uh, um, contracts or just, you know, act improperly and decide one morning, hey, I'm not paying the price of the uh, final offer selection. I got a better idea. I'm going to pay you less 
Well, that strikes me like it's 1975. And those processors are emboldened to do that. So we had a couple of examples of that last year. We're working our way through it. But really, we need the province to step in and say, you know, uh, once again, to, to whom much is given, much is expected. So we expect you to play by the rules. And uh, there will be consequences if you uh, decide to arbitrarily opt out of that uh, pricing situation. So that's important. Um, we've talked to the ministers about that. And we, I've already talked to the Premier back last fall on that issue. And we, uh, we're looking for another meeting with the Premier on that same issue. It's you know, we have lots of time to put something in place uh, that uh, just holds, holds those, uh, those renegade uh, processors to the law. And uh, that's what we'll be looking for. But that's an important piece of this, uh, this whole uh, thing as we move forward. Are you satisfied with the results of uh, the review into final offer selection last year? Well, no, I, I can't say we're satisfied, but you know we'll take what we have. I mean, there are, there are a couple of issues there that we that we we're already talking about uh, as a result of Conway's uh, study. So we've talked to uh, the Minister of Labor on that, uh, Bernard Davis. So we'll be, you know, continuing those uh, those talks. But we'll, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time left now. But we want to make sure that uh, we're at that sy- that system is in place and up and running, uh, and uh, and we'll review it at the uh, at the end of this year. If it, you know, if it needs, if it requires further adjustment, we'll we'll be asking for that uh, as a matter of course. We're hearing about labor crunches in just about every industry. Is there a labor crunch in, in the fishery? I'm thinking in particular when it comes to processors, because for um, or processing um, uh, plant workers, in, in other words, because uh, I know in the past many processors have had, actually had to bring in temporary foreign workers because nobody wants to do the shifts anymore uh, in, in terms of, you know, just a, a few shifts here and there. Um, are the days of the local fish plant worker dwindling? Look, I, I wish it was uh, as simplistic as you say. It's really not. It's a, a lot more uh, complicated than that. I can tell you that uh, we have uh, processing plants uh, in this province that uh, hired on this year that had wait lists, that had lists uh, of people who wanted to get in there and work. And you might ask, well, you know, why, why, why do we want to work there? Well, first of all, the company offers a lot longer uh, employment periods. And uh, they have a collective agreement in place. Uh, so, you know, people flock to, to, to these particular plants. In other areas, it's a little different in that, you know, the, the population is not what it used to be. But most importantly, Linda, uh, people want to work. They want to have a job. And that's a part of, uh, and I'm glad you asked the question, because that's a part of our vision for this fishery. And uh, when we put it to the provincial government, I mean, we need a lot of work on the provincial vision for for this province with, with respect to fishery. Now, currently, if you look at last year, we have uh, we had plants here that uh, had eight weeks employment on crab, uh, had six weeks employment, had nine weeks employment, uh, no pelagics to follow through. We had other plants like the one I spoke about could have 14, 15, 16, 17 18 weeks and and work on pelagics into the fall if they were available so it's a better plan so that's that's the issue uh for us right now uh you know it's 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 not as easy as you know if you build a little cone 
they will come, but it's an issue that people want to work. I find it hilarious that uh, in some cases where, where the people are bringing in temporary foreign workers, and, uh, and by the way, we had a program this year with temporary foreign workers, and it worked very well. We had them in, we had temporary foreign workers in three plants, and as a pilot, and it went went swimmingly. And uh, they were under a collective agreement. Imagine, imagine how that's something you don't see uh, in Atlantic Canada. But they were under a collective agreement, got paid union wages, and did a, a great amount of work. And they they moved from plant to plant to ensure that they had their income. But you know, at the same time, we have uh, companies that are shipping uh, product out of the province and saying you can't get workers. Well, you know, you've taken your product that would provide jobs and you've shipped it out. So I find it hilarious that 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 happens, and and they get away with it. They get away with it. So if I can go back to the licensing issue, you know, if you get a, if you if you're lucky enough to get a, a crab processing license or a, a fish processing license, you should have a plan tied to that, so that you know you you tell us uh, how do you, what, what are you going to produce here? How many weeks are you going to? How many people do you need? But you know this thing of having six and eight weeks. Uh, uh, employment, and then say, "Well, I can't find any workers." Um, and uh, again, tie it to the, the amount of resource in this province, and we, uh, resource rich, job poor. And uh, you'll hear more and more of that until you know we have a, a proper uh, vision, a provincial vision, federal vision for how we operate our fisheries. A lot more can be done to enhance it. And I'll tell you this, and I'll finish off with this one. You know, if left alone, without the pushback from, from those all of our volunteers in across the province, without our leadership, without the pushback from that, you know, they'd, they'd come for our uh, unemployment insurance program. I mean, they've already stated it publicly. They want to catch all the stuff themselves, and they don't want to process it here. Well, you know, I got you. I understand that. And that's the nature of the beast. They want it all. But our job as a union is to ensure that when we elect politicians, in particular in rural Newfoundland, that they speak for workers and they speak for harvesters. So we need to start doing that, and we need more balance in this fishery. I mean, you know, the processors are doing very well, as you as you very well know. They, they got her knocked, as they say. But we need to reestablish balance. We have the resources. You know, many countries in this world would love to have what we have here, We've done, you know, not a bad job, I suppose, in retrospect, compared to other nations who've lost their fisheries to, to outsiders. But, you know, we need to refocus on that. We're going to do that. Uh, we're, we've started our meetings already, our inshore meetings. We'll start our industrial plant meetings soon. But we want to refocus on those uh, balance issues because we could be doing a lot better as a province in uh, restoring balance into this extremely rich fishery. And I would be remiss if we didn't um, speak at least uh, in part, I mean, we've only got a few minutes left, about uh, the situation on the southwest coast. How are people doing in terms of recovery from uh, Fiona? Thank you for that. Um, very good point. Um, having some difficulty. I think we we got a uh, maybe uh, I think it's upwards to a, a couple of dozen, maybe more of uh, 
harvesters that are not currently experiencing some difficulty uh, in establishing uh, claims with the province. Now, Linda, we had that uh, on the agenda the other day with the province, so uh, they're going to have another look at it. But, you know, uh, from a bureaucratic point of view, uh, I, I guess it's easy for somebody to come up with a receipt 30 years later, but the reality of the issue is, is like me or you, I can't come up with anything <laughs> past, past Christmas. But uh, so to to ask harvesters to come up receipts for 20, 15, 20, 30 years, you know, to establish a claim, um, yeah, that's, that's unreasonable. We need another system to verify that the wharf, that the shed, that the store was actually there and, you know, the amount of gear. And I think that can be established you know, quite easily because this is we're not the first place in North America to have a hurricane and have uh, uh, damage to fisheries infrastructure. It's happened from the Gulf of Mexico right up through. So let's look at the best practices here. You know, X number of pots will produce X number of uh, uh, lobster, uh, for example. And, uh, you know, there's we don't need to re- reinvent the wheel here. But, you know, the season is fast upon us, uh, and we need to get uh, money in the people's hands. Uh, lobster season just around the corner. They want receipts going back about 20 years? Well, apparently, yes, that's exactly it, and uh, actually more. <laughs> actually more in some cases, but it's it just... I mean, I, we had, a, as I said, we had a chap at the province, and uh, they recognized that they might be a little off base with that, and uh, they're going to look at another system. But, you know, we can't wait. We need it, we need it now because uh, there's fisheries upon us. So let's, let's get cracking and uh, let's get this, uh, these things settled. Thanks for that question, by the way. I much appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I was just thinking, uh, you know, how are you supposed to come up with receipts when everything's gone? But anyway, that's uh, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah, issue. Um, uh, Greg Pretty, really appreciate your time this afternoon, um, and I look forward to further conversations now in the in the year or years ahead. No problem, Linda. I can come back next week if necessary. Thank you. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Thanks so okay. much. And uh, thank you. And we'll be back uh, tomorrow. We're going to hear from the Premier, Andrew Fury, uh, about uh, health care in particular and a couple of other um, hot topics in the province today. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.